All right, prayer. All earthly things with earth will fade away, but prayer grasps eternity. But I'm convinced of this, God does not hear prayer. He hears desperate prayer. Prayer is not a position, whether you need. Prayer is not a position, it's a disposition. You get to the place where you'd rather sweat, you'd rather weep in his presence than laugh in anybody else's presence. You'd rather God whisper a speaking into your heart that breaks you. And somebody give you the prizes that all the world covets. Prayer is almost the greatest human privilege that we have. Well, good morning, church family. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on, if that's you, make some noise. Come on, can you do just a little bit better for Jesus? Like, has Jesus been good to you? Come on now. I think we ought to take another second. Has the Lord blessed anybody in the room? Come on, if you're thankful for a blessing and favor. That's what I'm talking about. We're looking good today. Everybody feel good? I feel good too. I'm fired up for this morning. Uh, Before we jump into the word, many of you know this, but if you're visiting with us today, uh, we're we're one church in two locations, and and I love I love what God is doing at both of our campuses. So let me explain that just a little bit more. We've got our church family right here in the South Metro Atlanta area. And then 702 miles north of here, right through those cameras in the back of the room, is the incredible Go Church family meeting in Germantown, Maryland. We love our Go Church family so much. We're glad to be doing life together and ministry together, reaching the world together. So come on, can we make some noise for Go Church? Come on now. Now Go Church, make some noise for us all the way down here in Atlanta. Let us know you love us too. Come on, Go Church. I want to hear from you. I love it. And then also we've got an ever-growing online viewership and we're thankful for technology and it's just an amazing, amazing opportunity to take the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth. So if you're watching online, we're so grateful for each and every one of you. May, May the same spirit of God that we feel in this room and at our Go Church campus, may you feel that same power and spirit of God wherever you're watching from. And then one thing we always do because it's absolutely appropriate. We give honor to the incredible military men and women that are serving our country. Come on, can we bless them? Come on, do that wholeheartedly. If you have a son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter serving, we applaud you as well, praying for you. And as always, we speak Psalm 91 over your children and over you all that are serving. So may the Lord be with you. You know, we have now on this day concluded what has been a supernatural three weeks. Uh, A call to prayer for 21 days of prayer and fasting at both of our campuses. If if you if you were involved in any way, shape, or form through the 21 days of prayer and fasting, and you were just blessed by that, can you make some noise? Come on, like if God just—it was phenomenal. We, we knew going into the 21 days of prayer and fasting that everybody's work schedule and family schedule and, and, and just calendar would be different. But we set aside every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. to pray. And then on Saturdays, we join together in prayer as well. And, and just as your pastor, your spiritual tour guide here, I just wanted to say to you how, how proud I am incredibly proud I am of the faithfulness of the people of God and not just faithfulness by way of attendance, which by the way, every morning we average between both of our campuses, 180 people. Come on now, isn't that amazing? 
You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not super big into trying to dissect numbers and see what all they mean, but when that number came to me that we had an average of 180 people on the dot between the two campuses, the first thought that I came to was this. If you want to turn around, it's 180 degrees. Come on now. So again, I'm not big at all that number stuff, but, but we're believing for turnaround in our lives. Anybody with me? And so not just the faithfulness by way of attendance, but the desperation and the hunger as people cried out to God. I mean, it has just been, it's been emotional. It's been powerful. It's been life-changing. And we're going to do it again. Come on now. So I'm excited. Now, yesterday, I want to say something really quick here because uh, all of this takes up my preaching time and I got a lot to say. But if you recall yesterday, we had a special call to prayer. Um, if you're here in this uh, South Metro Atlanta room or at Go Church, I want you to hear my heart. One thing that we always try to do is to preach both truth and grace. Truth and grace. We got a lot of churches that only preach truth and they have no grace. And then we have a lot of churches that only preach grace and they have no truth. So I'm not pastoring those churches. I'm pastoring these campuses. And the Lord put it on our heart to be a church of both truth and grace. So I want to lace this conversation with that. Um, you know what happened this past week in the state of New York with the governor passing legislation on approving late-term abortions up until the birth of the baby. I don't need an email with you telling me that those documents are public. I've read them. I know what they mean. I want you to hear my heart. There is no government official. There is no president. There is no political party that can alter the word of God. This is our final authority. Now, I also know that there are people in this room online at Go Church that they might themselves had an abortion. I want you to know that this church is not a church that throws stones. If we're going to throw stones, I'm going to get hit first. Come on now. We're a place that loves anyone from anywhere, from all different walks of life, with all different backgrounds, which, by the way, the person next to you, they're a sinner too. Come on. It's good preaching, whether you say amen or not. Because the Bible says that we've all sinned, we've all made mistakes, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But our heart should be burdened by speaking up for those that cannot speak for themselves, the unborn. I've heard this said in, in recent days, and I think it's appropriate, that the only people that are speaking up in terms of pro-choice are the ones that are alive. Think about that. And so we made a special call to prayer. And I want to tell you one quick story. Yesterday at 8 a.m., both of our campuses, we began to pray, specifically for mothers who have had to come to make the toughest decision of their life and abort their baby for whatever the reason, for families that have felt the effects, the ripple effects of that decision, and then also for elected officials to govern our country according to Scripture. Give me an amen right there. Not on political affiliation or platform, but on the Word of God. Yesterday afternoon, after our time of prayer, specifically praying over this, over this latest bill that was passed, because there's nothing new about the idea of abortion. Nothing new. Since Roe versus Wade, over 60 million babies have been aborted in our country. If that doesn't break your heart, there's something wrong with it. Okay? But this idea of late-term abortion and now aborting children up until the moment they're born, this is newer to us. And so we begin to pray. Here's the story. Yesterday afternoon, my phone rang multiple times consecutively. After our prayer meeting yesterday, my father-in-law father and some of our team, we went to another prayer meeting on the north side of Atlanta. 
I was in that prayer meeting and my phone rang consecutively until finally I responded to the individual and said, hey, I'm, I'm in a meeting. I can't talk now, but I'll call you back. And they said, you need to know what God has done. Yesterday afternoon, a lady that lives in Florida, not connected to our church by any means, was sitting in, a, in an abortion clinic. Someone connected to our church remembered our time of prayer and also the email and correspondence that was sent out yesterday called, or on Friday rather, subject from the desk of Pastor JC. How many of you received that? You saw that some way, shape, or form. So this lady that was connected to our church uh, by another individual took screenshots of what the Lord put on my heart and sent it to the woman that was sitting in the abortion clinic. That woman in the waiting room, awaiting to walk through double, I feel the Lord right now, waiting to walk through double doors to make the most difficult decision of her life, began to read the words that God had put in my heart from his word, from the holy word. In the waiting room, she began to weep as she felt the spirit of God moving in her heart. She stood up from her seat, walked to the counter and said, I've decided to keep the baby. Come on now. Come on, church, both campuses, come on. To God be the glory. What a beautiful story, a beautiful story. And may God get all the glory. So let me share this one final time and I'll transition. If you're in this room, you're online, you're at Go Church and you're considering abortion, I want you to know that there is a church family that loves you. There is a God that loves you. And we will help you in any way, shape or form, look at alternative steps to save the life of that baby because we believe in the sanctity of life. Come on, give me one more amen right there. Now, the 21 days of prayer, they've come to a conclusion today, but I've got great news. We're not going to stop praying. As a matter of fact, on the first Saturday of every month, we're introducing what we're calling First Saturday Prayer. That's happening next Saturday, both campuses. The time is a little different. We're starting 30 minutes later, so I want you to join us at 8.30 next Saturday, both campuses, for a time of prayer, and we'll do this the first Saturday of every single month where we can just make our requests known to the Lord. We can worship Him and give Him thanks for all that He's done, and I hope that you'll make plans to join us on the first Saturday of every month. And then mark your calendar because next Sunday we're calling it Vision Sunday, Vision Sunday. And we'll do this a couple of times throughout the year. Uh, Those of you that are familiar to our church family, you know that we've done this in the past. This is an opportunity for, for me just to share my heart about the, the future of our church at both campuses, things that I believe the Lord has spoken to me specifically over the last 21 days about the direction that we're going as a church family. We'll give you updates on some of the great partnerships and things that God is doing. If you're new to our church, there's not a better Sunday than to come on Vision Sunday. If you've been here a while, again, this is a great day to come because I get to sit down and share with you some things that I'm believing for God to do in 2019 and in 2020. I believe there's a few specific things that the Lord has put in my heart to share with you about the direction of our church at both locations for the next two years. So make plans to be there on Vision Sunday. Can you do that? We're in the final Sunday. Here we go. I'm ready to preach. We're in the final Sunday of a series that we've been doing called Prayer. On the count of three, I want you to say this word prayer with me. One, two, three. It's been such a powerful series where God has shared with us so many wonderful things uh, through this discipline on prayer. In week number one, we kicked off the whole conversation, and the idea of this prayer was this, hear me when I pray. We moved from week one into week two, and it was search me 
when I pray, a prayer of God revealing some things within our heart. And then last week, you gave me the opportunity to share from a place of transparency as we looked at the prayer, break me, break me, brokenness and pouring out. How many of you enjoyed last Sunday, the brokenness and the pouring out? Today, though, we're going to look at this prayer. And the prayer is, send me, send me, here I am, send me. And, and here's why I wanted to speak on this particular topic of prayer, or more appropriately, why I wanted to speak on this, this type of prayer. It's because most of the time, and let's just be really honest today, can we do that? All right, most of the time when we pray, whether we're praying to God or we're submitting requests of prayer to the church, most of the time, those prayers are typically centered around what God can do for us. So God, bless me. God, I need a new job. I need a better job. I need a new car. I need a better car. God, protect me. Touch my marriage. I want to be married. Heal my grandmother. Touch my children. Do you see that? Et cetera and so on. Most of the time when we're praying to God or we submit these requests, it's about what God can do for us. But watch this. What if we started praying prayers that were more about what we could do for God than what God could do for us? You're not going to help me preach this morning, and that's all right, because I know that you love me and we're friends. But what if our perspective of prayer changed from what God could do for you to praying a prayer of what you could do for God. Now, let me encourage everybody for just a moment. Watch this. Every single one of us, because God woke you up this morning, because he put breath in your lungs, and because there is blood that's flowing in your veins, that tells us that God has a plan for your life, that God has a calling for your life. No one gets left out. Nobody is exempt from purpose and a plan and a destiny. Nobody has God forgotten about when it comes to the reality that God has a calling on you. Not only that, not only does God have this calling, but along your lifetime, along your journey, God will also give you some very specific assignments. Assignments. Now, the Lord has been dealing with me about this understanding of the difference between calling and assignment. But at the end of the day, the truth is this, is God has a call, he's got a plan, he's got a purpose, and he has assignments for your life. But in order for you and I to be in the perfect will of God, which is my prayer, anybody with me? Like, God, I don't want to do my own thing, I don't want to be out of your will, I, I, I want to live my life according to the purpose of God, the plan of God, the will of God, the word of God. So in order to find ourselves living in that lane, we must learn to pray prayers of availability. Learning to pray prayers of availability. To stop always praying prayers about what God can do for us. There are times that those prayers are appropriate. But we must also pray prayers of availability. God, what can I do for you? It's this prayer. Here I am. Send me. And we see this all throughout scripture where God calls people. Not only does he call people in the Bible, but even today, in 2019, as we come to the close of January. How many of you said last year, 2019 won't fly by so fast? It is. 
We're in 2019, and the same God that was in the Bible calling people, the the great biblical characters that shaped our Christian faith, he's the same God that's calling you and I today. However, this is what I've learned. This is from my own life. Whenever God calls JC to do something, whenever I posture myself and I'm brave enough and bold enough and filled with faith enough to say this prayer of availability, God, here I am, send me, Watch this. There are always one of three different types of responses that we as believers end up responding to when God says, okay, here's the call, here's the plan, here's the assignment. I want to show you these three responses really quick, and I think all of us will find ourselves in one of these categories or, or maybe in all three. The first response we see from God wanting to use someone with a call and a plan It's the prophet Jonah. Most of you know the story about the prophet Jonah. Let's use him as our example for response number one. Go with me to Jonah chapter one, a few verses of scripture here. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Here's what he said. He said, get up. Get up and what? Go. Get up and go. Somebody ought to name a church, Go Church. I'm just saying right now. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. There's the call. There's the assignment. There's the plan. If you're with me, say, I got it. Announce my judgment against the people because I have seen how wicked they have become. Verse number three. But Jonah, he got step one right. He got up. But he went in the opposite direction to do what? To get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. The Bible says in continued verse 3, he bought a ticket. He went on board, hoping to do what? Escape the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Here's what I've learned. So often when God says, I've got a plan, I've got a purpose, I've got an assignment. Most of us respond the same way that Jonah did. And we say, here I am. I refuse to go. Here I am. I refuse to go. Be honest. Come on, be honest with me. How many of us have had a similar response as Jonah? The Lord has told you to do something. And you know that God told you to do it. And yet you refuse to do it. You'll even buy yourself a ticket to try and get away from God. But somebody's got to tell you, and I guess it's my assignment today to tell you, you can't run from God. There is no hide and seek with the Lord. And watch this. Here's the truth. God told some of you to start that business, and you still haven't done it. God told some of you to pursue that relationship And fear has made you say, I refuse to do it. Some of you, God spoke to you and said, go on a missions trip. And you haven't even gotten your passport yet. I was reading through my notes this morning in preparation of walking on this platform. And I thought this, hear my heart. I'm not trying to be mean. But how can we claim to be a Christian and not even have a passport? Because at any moment, God could say, go. And then what are you going to do? 
You can't go because you haven't made preparation to actually pray this prayer of availability. God has told you, you need to serve your church because you're gifted and you're talented and you're called. You ought to start tithing. And some of you refuse. Here I am, but I refuse to go. We're not alone. We've all done something like that. Before the Lord promoted the call on my life to become a a full-time lead pastor. He gave me great opportunities as a youth pastor to travel the country. And he did. I stood on some of the largest stages within our denomination preaching to thousands and thousands of young people from the West Coast to the East Coast to the North to the South. I'll never forget it, uh, before I started traveling very heavily, my family bought me luggage by faith because we were praying for greater opportunities for me to travel, and the Lord did just that. I mean, I, I flew everywhere. So if you've traveled, whether it be for ministry or for business, you know that traveling actually gets old very fast. In the beginning, it's exciting and it's fun. It's like, man, this is great. And then after a while, you get tired of TSA, even if it's pre-checked. You're tired of the airport. You're tired of people running you over with their suitcase. Come on now. And because Atlanta is the hub, it's the busiest airport in the world, it makes traveling difficult. I'll never forget one time, though, me in the process of flying out of Atlanta to a speaking engagement, and I made it to my destination, and I was hurrying to get my luggage so that I could be picked up and then escorted straight to the arena. And as I was hurrying, walking in my direction was a middle-aged man. And in that moment, I caught eyes with him, and I'm not sure if he caught eyes with me, but I heard the Lord loud and clear. It wasn't an audible voice, but you know how the Lord speaks to your heart. And he said, pray for that man. Pray for that man. And I told the Lord in that moment, God, you know I love you, but I don't have time. And I kept walking. That was years ago. Years ago, and the image of that man's face has never left my heart. I don't know what happened. I've never seen from him, heard from him. I don't know what took place. I don't think his plane crashed because I didn't see it on the news, but I missed it. You'd think you'd learn, wouldn't you, JC? Some years later, I was in a grocery store up in Maryland, Wegmans. If you've never been in a Wegmans, you haven't been in a grocery store. It's the Hilton of all grocery stores. Come on now. And we're walking in the aisle, and I saw a young family. And the Lord spoke to my heart on aisle number seven, invite them to church and pray for them. And I said, God, they're shopping. They don't want to hear from me. And I kept on shopping, and I left that grocery store, and I refused to go. Do you see that? We've we've all done that. Here I am. But I refused to go. The second example of this call that God puts on our lives actually comes from Moses. Moses, as you know, in Exodus chapter 3, is out minding his own business. As a matter of fact, he's tending the flock, obeying uh, his father-in-law, Jethro. Today is my father-in-law's birthday, and we love our bishop, our pastor. Come on. But I'm so glad his name ain't Jethro. Come on now. But I do know what it's like to obey your father-in-law. I worked for him many years, and uh, there were quite a few times that he put me out to scoop up, you know, some poop from sheep. I'm just telling you what the truth is. Moses is out tending the flock, and all of a sudden he looks over and he recognizes that there is a bush 
that is on fire. Now, the reason that this bush uh, caught his attention is because the bush, although it was on fire, wasn't consumed, meaning it wasn't burning up. It was a continuous fire. So it caught the attention of Moses. Moses walks over to the burning bush, and in that moment, the Lord began to speak to Moses. And the Lord said, I have heard the cry of my children, the children of Israel. I have heard their cry. I have seen the oppression from the evil Egyptian ruler known as Pharaoh. And he says, I'm going to deliver them. Not only am I going to deliver them, but I'm going to bring them into the promised land, a land where both milk and honey flow. If you've ever lived a life of bondage, you're thankful for a promise like that, that God will deliver you from bondage and bring you to a land where both milk and honey flow. Now watch this so that we're caught up Exodus chapter three. Here's what the Lord says. So now, come on, help me. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. To bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Look at verse number 11. But Moses said to God, who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Look at verse number 12. And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Look at verse number 13. Or continue to verse 12, rather. But he said, oh, my Lord, chapter 4, verse 13. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Come on. That's the second response. Say, God, here I am, but please send someone else. If you keep reading, you see that Moses says, can't, can't, can't you use my brother Aaron? And Moses begins to have this conversation with God. I, I'm not the right person. I'm not educated enough. I'm not qualified enough. My resume isn't polished enough. God, you know that I, st I stutter. I don't have the right qualifications. So God, can you please send someone else? Let me give you three words. You ready? Write these three words down. Excuses excuses, excuses. Did you know that the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross at Calvary can cover everything but your excuses? And yet, don't we do that? Moses actually made four or five different excuses in this interaction with God. In verse number 11, and we saw it, he said, he said I'm afraid. And God said, don't be afraid. I'll be with you. In verse number 13, he said, what, what if I get pushback? What if the people don't like me? And he said, God said, it's not about you. In chapter 4, verse number 1, uh, Moses says, well, the people won't trust me. God responds and God says, well, I'm bigger than the people. But Moses keeps making excuses. Moses says, I'm not talented enough. And God says, I'll make up for whatever you lack. And I just wonder, how much have you and I missed out on because of our excuses? Here I am, send someone else. Because I'm not this, or I'm not that, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. Here I am, send someone else. But then the third response, and this is where I want all of us to end up. In this room, at Go Church, 
online. I, I want my family to have this response. I pray that I have this response. I want my children to have this response. And we see the response that comes from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. The first few verses, verses 1 through 4, Isaiah gets a vision from God. He gets this vision from God. Watch this. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. There's that vision that he had of the Lord. High and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Verse number two. Above him were seraphim. This is one of the different types of, of angels and angelic being. Each with six wings. They had two wings that covered their faces and two that covered their feet. And, and two, they, they were flying around. Look at verse number three. And they were calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the earth is full of his glory. Verse number four, watch this. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. So in the first few verses, Isaiah gets a vision of the Lord. But in the next few verses, Isaiah gets a vision of himself. Woe to me. So now he recognizes his place and he says, I am ruined. Because I'm a man of, of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Verse number six, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from, from, with tongs from the altar. Watch verse seven. And with it, he touched my mouth, and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. So Isaiah gets a vision of the Lord. He gets a vision of himself, and then in verse number eight, he gets a vision of ministry. He gets the vision of a call, the vision of a purpose, the vision of assignment. Watch this in verse number eight. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Now notice something, because this is important. God was issuing a general call. Who, who will go? Who will I send? And Isaiah took it personally. And he said this. He said, here I am. Send me. Here I am. Send me. On the count of three, can you read those few words? Here I am. Send me. One, two, three. Here I am. Send me. That's the response. Here I am. Send me. So I got to do this quick. So how do we condition our hearts to pray this prayer of availability? To stop refusing to be used. To stop trying to place the burden of the calling on your life on somebody else's shoulders. God, God is calling us. How do we get to this place where we can pray this prayer of availability? Here I am. Send me. Send JC. God, I have prayed this prayer so much in my life. God, whatever you want to do, I'll say yes. I've even said it like this. God, I don't even need to know the question. The answer is yes. Because if you're speaking it over me, I know that you've got a perfect plan for my life. And I know that that plan is not to harm me, but to give me a hope and to give me a future. Come on, I wish I had a few hundred people that connected to that truth right there. 
So the first step is this. Write these down. Come on, write these down. You want to pray this prayer of availability? It starts with submission. It starts with submission. Uh, Let me do an exercise, and I'm setting you up, but you have to participate. How many of you in this room at Go Church, by a show of hands, you would say that you want to do whatever it is that God wants for you to do? Keep them up. 100%. Come on. Go Church. Keep it up. hundred. Look around. Look at the people on your row. Look at them. Okay. Now look at me. Then why aren't you doing it? I whispered it so you didn't think I was angry. Oh, 100% of us would say, God, I want to do whatever it is that you want me to do, and yet we don't do it. We refuse to go. We try to send somebody else. But if you want to say, here I am, send me, you have to start with submission. And the truth about submission is this. The, 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 the only way that we can really be submitted to God, because only those that are fully submitted to God are the ones that say yes to whatever it is God is saying. And the truth about submission happens in two ways, and both of them are equally important. You've got to be submitted to God through salvation and then submitted to God through the Holy Spirit. Come on. Salvation means this, that you give your life to God, that you stop trying to take control, that, that you say, God, whatever you will, I'm giving you my everything. I get, here it is. I give myself away. My, my life is not my own. My life is yours, Jesus. So I'm going to stop playing God. I'm going to stop trying to manipulate the plan of God for my life. I will fall on my knees. I will repent just like Isaiah. I have realized I, I am ruined. Woe to me. My lips are unclean, my mind is unclean, my heart is unclean, so I'm giving you my everything. And then watch this, once we become saved, then we must invite the power of the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us. Come on, somebody, help me preach. Is this a Pentecostal church now? Come on. Consider this, if you don't believe me, because some of you are looking at me like a cow looking at a new gate. Watch. Think about the disciples. The disciples were hand-selected, picked by God, ordained, anointed. God, God was teaching them. They did life with Jesus for three years. He was their example. He was their model. And then what did he do? He said, now I want you to go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Take the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the good news, to the ends of the earth. But what did he say? Before you leave, wait. Wait. Wait for what? Wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because God knew that in order to fulfill the call that is on their life, the call that is on my life and the call that is on your life, you cannot do it on your own power. Come on. You need a supernatural power. And that's what Jesus said. I'm going to use you to change the world. And here we are thousands of years later lifting up the name of Jesus because those individuals didn't start their their assignment prematurely, but they waited for the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit so that they could be equipped. Somebody say equipped. 
So if you want to really be submitted, you have to have salvation and you have to have the Holy Spirit. And truth be told, there's not a greater example of this truth than Jesus himself. Jesus is on his way to the cross. He's in the garden and he's praying. And this is what he says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. I'm not taking scripture out of context, but let me, let, me, let me connect it to our conversation today. God, take this call away from me. I don't want to go. Is there any, is somebody else, can somebody else go to the cross? And then he says these words. He says, yet not my will, but your will be done. Come on, could you pray that prayer, God? Lord, not, not my will, but your will be done. And if you want to respond to this prayer of availability, here I am, send me. You must be fully submitted to God. Write this second way down, to be fully submitted. Not only is it through submission, but it's also through encouragement. Because stepping out in faith and doing whatever it is that God is calling you to do, stepping out in faith and fulfilling the assignment that is on your life is so much easier when you're surrounded with people that encourage you. Paul, who is an incredible writer, so much of the New Testament is written by him. He's also uh, a church planter. He, he planted many, many churches. He wrote this in 1 Thessalonians. He said, therefore, what? Encourage one another. Build up one another. Let me ask you this question, because every one of us, again, God's, God's looking for you to pray a prayer of availability in 2019. So here's the question. Who in your inner circle is encouraging you to take that step of faith? Who do you have that's, that's talking you into what God is telling you to do? Watch this. I got just a few minutes left, but when, when God spoke to my heart and to Kimberly's heart about, about establishing a church, planting a church up in the Washington, D.C. area, we were youth pastors here. And God said, I want you to go. I, I heard that. In that moment, Kimberly and I were very intentional about surrounding ourselves with people that encourage us in that call. I didn't want to be around people that said, that's not a good idea, that's not smart. We surrounded ourselves with wisdom that said, hey, count the cost, make sure you know it's the Lord, but if it's God, you've got to be obedient. I didn't want people telling me, no, you can't do it, it ain't going to work, you're going to be a failure. Because I, listen to me, pardon the grammar, but I ain't got time for haters, I don't have time for naysayers and negativity. So we stepped out in faith and we moved 700 miles from here. No job, not, not much money, no place to live. I've told you this before. We had a 27-foot U-Haul, 26 feet of the 27-foot U-Haul was Kimberly's shoes and clothes. Come on. And we, we moved to Maryland. You think I'm kidding. She gave me a corner in the back of the U-Haul. And, and we moved. And now, now let me show you. And then a few years later, God said, JC, now I want you to move back to Atlanta. Yeah, have you ever made that face to God? Any, anybody? Come on. What? I said, God, what? And watch this. So we surrounded ourselves with people that encouraged us in that call. One day I pulled up to my house in Maryland. We lived in Clarksburg where our Go Church offices are. And uh, when I was getting ready to get out of my car at the end of the work day, my phone rang. And I looked at the phone and I recognized the name. 
And I, I picked it up because word had just gotten out that my father-in-law was moving into semi-retirement and that JC and Kimberly were going to move back and, and become the successors of, of this South Metro Atlanta campus and merge two churches into one church in two locations. It's been a journey. So my phone rang and I thought, this, this is going to be a good conversation. And I picked up the phone. I said, hey, buddy. And he said, hey, JC, I, I heard the newsman. And I was like, yeah, you know, we're excited. And he said, can I just be honest? I said, of course you can. You know you can be honest. And this is what he said. He said, JC, it will not work. I'm not, I will not make this story up to try and bring home a point. This is the God's honest truth, and I'll prove it to you in a minute. He said, JC, this won't work. He said, listen, this is what he said. He said, South Metro is too rooted in history and heritage and tradition for someone like you to go and to take it over and they'll receive you. And he said, and Go Church is far too young because we were only a few years old. He said, the whole church will leave. It'll shut down. He said, JC, I love you enough to tell you that it will not work. And this is what he said. He said, listen to me. Kimberly, isn't this true? He said, listen to me. He said, give up Go Church. Give it up. Let somebody else come in. And then he said, he said, the church of God, which is our covering denomination. He said, they'll send somebody in there and they'll carry on that vision for you. Well, my blood pressure was boiling. Anybody with me? I took a deep breath. Uh, I, if you've taken the Enneagram test, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So I'm a challenger and ain't, ain't nobody going to tell me what to tell me. Come on now. So I took a deep breath and I said this, I called him by name and I said, I am so glad you called. And I am so glad you told me what's in your heart. Because one day, I don't know when it'll be, but I'll stand behind a pulpit and I'll tell everybody that you and others did not believe in the call of God that's on my life. And I told him, I said, I know you think that it won't work, but there will come a day where I stand in front of two congregations of people and declare the word of the Lord, the call of God on my life. So, here it is. Sir, this afternoon, you'll get a Facebook message from me with a link to this message today to tell you you were dead wrong. Because if God called you to it, God will allow it to happen. Come on now. The old saying is like this. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Come on now. Because when you got people in your life, so I was a little bit more careful about the phone calls that I took. Write this down. Come on. Never surround yourself with people that will try to talk you out of what God is talking you into. You ought to give me a better amen. Because you've got some people in your life that they will try to talk you out of what you know God is telling you to do. Don't hang out with those people. Use them as fuel to your faith and fuel to your calling. So with every critic, with every hater, with every naysayer, you hold your head up high because that's where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord. You get around people that will encourage you and watch what God does. It's, let's go back to Moses. Moses was commissioned by God to lead the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. But he was not commissioned by God to take them into the promised land. Think about that. Difference between calling and assignment. Moses had an assignment to deliver them out of bondage from Pharaoh. 
But what did God say to Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 28? He said, now I want you to commission Joshua. Now, Moses, your time is up. Now I want you to commission Joshua. And what? Encourage him. And strengthen him. Why? Because Joshua would lead the people across the Jordan River. They will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. I got to do this so fast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we preach groups. It's why we have groups. We, we don't launch small groups because we don't think you're busy. We know you're busy. But we have small groups, the ministry of small groups, which is kicking off today, sign-ups today at both of our campuses, in the lobby here at our South Metro Atlanta campus, and in the main hallway of that movie theater at Go Church. There, there are dozens and dozens of groups. Why? Here's why. Because you need accountability and you need encouragement. So you can get in a group of people that will encourage you with what God is speaking to your heart about your purpose and your plan and your call and your assignment and your family and your future. It's why we preach groups. Because if you want to pray the prayer of availability, here I am, send me, you've got to be encouraged. Encouraged. Get in a group and let people encourage you on this faith journey. All right, I got to do these last two so fast. Never say never. Never say never. Remember, let's go back to Jonah. Remember when uh, Jonah ran from God? What was Jonah saying? Never. There's no way. He said, he said, I refuse to go to Nineveh. And his disobedience, read it for yourself, took him on a downward spiral. His disobedience took him down to the seashore, down to the bottom of the ship. They, they threw him overboard and he went down into the water. And then eventually he ended down deep in the belly of a fish. If you haven't read this story, you need to. It's like four chapters long. You could read it today. It's incredible. His disobedience took him down. But while Jonah was in the belly of a fish, his perspective was changed. Watch this. God was breaking him so that he could be poured out. And all of a sudden, when it came time, at the appropriate time, that big old fish spit Jonah out. And guess where Jonah ended up? Nineveh. Nineveh. You can say never, but I'd be careful. Because if your heart is never to God, he may put you in the belly of some kind of fish to get you to end up where it is. He's calling you to go one way or the other. Listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this. There is no negotiating with God. This isn't the art of the deal with God. There's no bartering with God. If God said it, you, ought to, you, ought, you might as well just say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to listen. I'm going to obey. You know, I'm going to be submitted. I'm going to be encouraged. And I'm going to do what the Lord says to do. And then the last one is this. You have to decide. You have to decide. Because God's got this calling, but every day he's giving you assignments. Every day. And you have to come to a place where you decide. For Jonah, the call, go to Nineveh. For Moses, go and deliver the Israelites. For Isaiah, I need a messenger. Here I am, send me. 
Now, it may not be some call that is as extreme as those or a call to go across the country. It might be a call to pray for that person in the airport, to pray for that person on the aisle at the grocery store. It might even be a call not to cross the seas, but to cross your street and love your neighbor. But at the end of the day, whatever it is, you have to decide. One of my closest friends, his name is Johnny Moore. Many of you know Johnny. Johnny is a special, special guy. Nine years ago, Johnny was a full-time pastor at a church on the north side of Atlanta. His responsibilities were local outreach and world missions. So Johnny would spearhead community projects and then also missions trips around the world. Nine years ago, Johnny had the opportunity to attend the Hillsong Conference in Australia. So he went for a few days and, you know, he just uh, heard the voice of God and he was surrounded by, by worshipers and other believers. And so his time came to return back to the United States. He boarded a flight and on that flight, Johnny was crossing the Pacific Ocean. And halfway between Australia and getting back to the States and the Pacific Ocean, the Lord spoke to the heart of Johnny Moore. And he said, Johnny, move to Southeast Asia. Move to Southeast Asia. In that one moment, Johnny could have responded one of a few ways. Here I am, but I refuse to go. Here I am, but send the guy next to me. He's asleep anyway. Or here I am, send me. And that moment on that airplane in the middle of the ocean, he said, God, I'll go. He returned back to the States and immediately wrote his letter of resignation from his full-time job. He started raising funds and money. And nine years ago, Johnny moved to Southeast Asia. He's 37 years old. No children of his own, but he's got some kids, as you can see. And he's never been married. I asked John if he'd be cool with me telling the story, and he said yes, but I didn't tell him this part. Johnny's single. So ladies, if you feel a call to Southeast Asia, <laughs> send an email to our church office, and we'll get you on the next Delta flight out of here. Johnny made the decision to pray a prayer of availability. Here I am. Send me. Can I show you something? And we'll be done. You got notes? Watch this. Submission. Encouragement. Never say never. And decide. Send me. Here's what I want to do. I want us to pray this prayer. Here I am, send me at both of our campuses for the next three minutes between you and God. During these three minutes, the, the worship team at both campuses are going to come. We'll cut the live feed as soon as we pause to let you pray. After the worship, campus pastor David Waldrop, he'll come to the platform. I, I don't want you to move. I don't want you to leave. I want you to take three minutes and pray this prayer. Both campuses, lift your hands. Come on. Lift your hands. Say this, here I am, send me. Come on, let's pray for a few minutes together.